What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 165 of the DFS AVP. I am your host, TJ Hernandez, in a, another different setting uh, this week uh, in the Airbnb out here in Denver with my co-host, Matt Savoca. Uh, if you're new to DFS MVP, we are a strategy-based DFS podcast. We cover our favorite values on FanDuel DraftKings every single week, and then we get into a theory segment that hopefully makes you a better DFS player overall. We cover the macro. We cover the micro. This week, we're going to be talking about breakout wide receivers early in the season. Uh, we have a couple other DFS shows that we would love for you guys to check out. We have our cast review with myself and Matt. 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. That's every Monday streaming on YouTube. Yahoo DFS with Matt Harmon. That comes out every Saturday. Uh, podcast only on both the DFS MVP and the Yahoo feeds. And the DFS Last Look with Jordan Vanek. Sundays, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern time. That is on the 4 for 4 subscriber only Discord. If you haven't signed up for the subscription yet, head over to 444.com. Use the promo code DFSMVP for 10% off if you're listening to this podcast you've probably already done your fantasy football homework so take that fantasy football homework and build a roster on prize picks you've already done all the hard work turn it into real cash with prize picks simply pick two or more of your favorite players decide if they would go over or under their stat projection this week we're loving Jameis winston passing yards over deontay harris passing yards over got a little correlation there you could find that and more breakdowns in our weekly prize pick article on four for four download the prize picks app today or visit prizepicks.com if you deposit with the promo code four for four that's the number four for the number four you'll get a 100 instant deposit bonus match dollar for dollar prize picks is hands down the most fun fantasy way, fast and easy way to play fantasy sports, pricepicks.com. Play today. Matt, welcome to week four, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. Always thrilled to get to this part of yeah, the man. week. Yeah, getting to those value plays. Uh, there's a lot of injuries on this slate. Cool. And honestly, man. at this at the time of recording, we're at Friday evening, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We still have some uncertainty about yep. some key main slate players, but at least Friday has gotten some things out of the way for us. Yeah, uh, we're recording this. Obviously, if you're watching um, live, it's on it's on Friday. But if you're listening, we're recording Friday. Um, a really good reason to make sure you're checking out our articles, Matt and I both have cash game breakdowns. We have a tournament breakdown, um, but those articles came out today. We're still waiting on, on some news. So we're not going to get to some of values that by the time, if you're listening to this Sunday morning, they might seem obvious, um, but we might have to wait. Uh, we'll, we might briefly touch on some of them, but today we're just going to talk about the guys that we're pretty locked in on. Um, I, I don't think even if some value opens up, most of the guys we're talking about here, they're going to stay in our player pool. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Start with quarterbacks like we always do. Who are you looking at this week? Yeah, it's right at the top of the salary range here. But, man, how can you not like Josh Allen going against the Houston Texans defense yeah. this weekend? I mean, it's a really obvious spot. So we don't need to spend so much time going over why such a huge favorite and a team that blew up offensively last week is a, a great spot to play the quarterback but you're looking at a team in the bills who actually in player profilers game script ranking which talks about how far ahead or behind they are they're number one in terms of positive game script and yet they continue to play at one of the fastest paces in the league regardless of whether they are ahead or behind and they're fourth in team pass plays per game right now and you're seeing that reflected in allen's individual stats 
third in red zone attempts, fourth in overall attempts, third in deep ball attempts, and you don't have to tell anyone about what he can do with his legs, adding to his floor and his ceiling. I just think it's such a perfect spot. He absolutely demolishes four for four's value metric in terms of FanDuel pricing. It's yeah. a little bit harder on DraftKings, but what a slam dunk play, Josh Allen this week. Yeah, I think there's enough um, there's enough value to get to to Josh on on DraftKings. Obviously, I, I wrote up that article like I mentioned. Uh, I, I think this you said it's an obvious spot. I think it's actually a really fun spot to navigate because unlike last year, the Bills have so many pass catchers that are contributing. So if you are playing tournaments, I, I do think there um, there is uh, there are, there are a lot of things that that you can do to to kind of figure out. Um, how to be unique in this game. Uh, I mean, you say it's, it is an obvious spot. Are you concerned at all that they're favored by 17? I mean, I have my thoughts on that, but um, any, any concerns about game script there? Because I'm looking at the pace of play and the amount mm -hmm. of times they've just passed in neutral game scripts, I'm going to trust the numbers here mm -hmm. and just assume that the Bills' identity is around Josh Allen's play overall. Yeah. Now, obviously, a running back, on a team that is favored by 17 points isn't a bad play. Mm -hmm. But I just think Allen is set up for success here. There are so many outs, if you will, for him in this game. I just love this spot. Yeah, I I, I just kind of kind of set you up there because I knew that I was thinking that would be your answer. Um, but it is a question we we do get quite a bit. Um, and I think one that's kind of natural to think about, but my thought process there is if a team gets up to the point where their starters aren't in or they're just running the ball, like for more than the last drive or two of the game, everybody that you hope got there, got there. Like, like if Josh Allen is somehow pulled by the fourth quarter, fourth quarter, he probably hit 40 fantasy points or something crazy. Like obviously there's scenarios where he doesn't get the touchdown variance, but um, yeah, I, I, especially with the quarterback, I'm, I'm rarely fading them for those situations. Like I, I want the team that's going to score 50. Um, Another game where one of the teams could score 50 and then we're probably going to see 50 total points over um, combined is the Chiefs and the Eagles. Now everybody knows um, what the Chiefs side could, can do, but I'm actually on, on the Jalen Hurts side, at least from a value perspective. Hurts is $7,900 on FanDuel, $6,900 on DraftKings. So like you said, it, DK is always a little bit harder to get to those expensive quarterbacks. And then 6900 isn't that cheap, but it's cheaper, obviously, than uh, Josh Allen's $8,000. Uh, salary. The, the Eagles are seven-point underdogs, but with the 54-point implied point total, they still have a, a decent implied point total themselves. And even though the Eagles looked awful against the Cowboys, um, we don't necessarily care about that that much. We care about fantasy points, and Jalen Hurts is pretty much been producing like we expect, uh, depending on on what site you're on. Top eight uh, in DraftKings points per game, top four in FanDuel points per game. He's one of six quarterbacks with at least 21 fantasy points per game uh, in every in all three games this year, and a lot of that has to do with his, his rushing floor. Um, second most rushing yards in the league behind Lamar Jackson at quarterback, and then he can get it done through the air. Even in that blowout last year, we saw him hit that 300-yard bonus, and Chiefs 31st in four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. We should probably mention um, this is the first week that schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed hit the four for four website. We take three weeks of data to get that. So instead of just raw fantasy points, 
look at those uh, schedule adjusted points and, and gives you uh, a number that doesn't have the, the bias in it. So I think it's really important to look at that. Uh, both of the teams, you mentioned pace with the Bills, both of the teams in this game, top 10 in neutral pace. So we like to see that if, if Eagles can keep it close, the game will be paced up. Um, even if they do fall behind, we saw Jalen be able to put up uh, a big number there. Uh, any last thoughts on, on quarterback? Yeah, there's just so many good rushing quarterbacks. The yeah. top, we've said this over and over this year, but the top quarterbacks right now, especially when there are no bye weeks, it's just really hard to get away. I think on FanDuel, I think the lowest I really want to go is something like a Dak Prescott. And below that, it's I'm just kind of ignoring it for cash. For sure. Um, I, I mean, I have some some thoughts in, in my write-up um, on DraftKings where uh, I differentiate from that a little bit. But on FanDuel, it's, it's, I think people kind of – forget sometimes how um how much you can do on Fanduel, and if you're going to be a little different you can just be different with expensive players um so especially at quarterback i just it it doesn't make sense usually with the guys you mentioned it just doesn't make sense to go down um in in salary at quarterback on Fanduel because you don't have to you, you can you can afford them everywhere else um let's move on to running backs, um, one of the positions where there is a lot up in the air, but we have a couple guys here that we're pretty sure of. Where are you looking at for running back this week? Yeah, and, you know, I should say before we get into this, we didn't take the cop-out answers. Derek Henry and <laughs> yeah, Alvin yeah. Kamara are yeah. in good spots this weekend. Yeah. Well, Henry, I, I would say Henry isn't necessarily a cop-out answer this week because I think it's, actually people are saying, uh, you know, especially on on on, um, on FanDuel and then we don't talk about Yahoo here, but on Yahoo as well, like are you jamming him, him in because he is so expensive? But, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm hitting lock on, on Henry at least in cash for sure. Yeah, and just to answer your question before I get to my player here, just because the value ranking for Henry looks so much better than yeah. the rest of the yeah. field on FanDuel, I think it's two whole points higher. Now, I know in terms of this value metric, what does two points mean? It's significant when yeah. you're that yeah. far apart from the field. So I have seen some projection sources that have Kamara ahead. Not a bad play at all. I think I'm trying to hashtag jam him in with yeah with Derrick Henry this week. Yeah. But my player, my value player, is David Montgomery, Chicago Bears running back. And I have written here in the notes, like, if not now, when for David mm -hmm. Montgomery? And we saw some really solid production at the end of the 2020 season, certainly boosting his average draft position this summer in season-long leagues. But he's been fairly disappointing from a production standpoint this year so far. Now he has by far the juiciest matchup from a uh, rushing versus defense matchup. Detroit is tied for 29th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. And the opportunity really is there for Montgomery. Say what you will about the overall offense in Chicago right now. Running back 8 in opportunity share at 78%. Running back 10 in route participation rate. Running back six in total carries, fourth in rush yards, and third in dominator rating, which is share of team yards and touchdowns, which is especially notable because he only has one touchdown. So when I look at a player on FanDuel right now, the running back 10 in salary, I see a value, even though betting on the Bears offense certainly doesn't feel all that great after their performance against the Browns in week three. Uh, I think in a way it, it's a little better because the field is going to be less inclined to play them, but the opportunity says that we should go back to the well at least one more time in this great matchup with Montgomery. Yeah, I'm going to go with um, a very unpopular take here and say that 
from from a fantasy perspective for for Montgomery, um, if if you want to be on on Cole Komet or Allen Robinson, like maybe if you have them in redraft, I actually think that this offense is going to be more productive with Andy Dalton. I don't think Andy Dalton should be the starter. I don't think offense can be better with Andy Dalton. I think from a fantasy perspective, they will produce more fantasy points because I just don't think Matt Nagy is going to be willing to adjust and maximize what Justin Fields could do. Um, they weren't giving him designed rollouts. They weren't letting him create um, on the fly. They just had a horrible game plan with him last week. And I think the offense should be better with Justin Fields. I think I would rather have Justin Fields on my team and as my quarterback. Um, but I don't think this this team or this staff is equipped to do that correctly. Um, I think if they roll Justin Fields out against um, Detroit, it would be more of the same. And I don't think that's his fault. So um I know that kind of goes against the grain of what you might see on Twitter, but I just don't think that Matt Nagy is good at what he does. Um, and so it's, and it's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like David Montgomery in this spot because of all the, all the reasons you laid out. And actually, I'm actually going to stay in this game. Um, Deandre Swift on the other side and because of Matt Nagy, because of that bad offensive line that we saw that, and I mean, Andy Dalton still didn't have to play behind it. I actually think Detroit can get a small road upset here because the one thing they are good at is, is rushing the passer. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more later, but we saw them uh, get after Lamar, And I think it could flip the game script um, pretty easily. And if that does happen, we can see DeAndre Swift add on to why we already like him. We like him because he um, is one of the most high volume pass catchers in the league. If it wasn't for Najee Harris's 19 target, 14 catch game last week, DeAndre Swift would lead the league in all receiving metrics. Um, six catches per game. He's near the top of the league in um, high value touches per game, which is a metric that Sam Hoppin looks at in his great article hop to conclusions every week where he just looks at uh, usage rates, team rates, um, pace, things like that. And at running back, very few running backs. I think it's Christian McCaffrey, um, Najee Harris, and Derek Henry, only players seen as much or more high value touches. That's uh, kind of just weights, catches, and touches near the goal line uh, against players' overall usage. And, and DeAndre Swift is near the top. So he doesn't need to be a, a 20 plus touch guy to have value kind of like we've seen with Kamara in the past. Um, but this week, if, if that game script does flip, they already use their running backs. One of the highest rates in the league. I, I do think he can approach 20 touches, even if he is only getting something like a, a 60% um, running back share. So uh, again, Henry, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to hit the lock button on him in cash, um, but these are two guys that I'm I'm very comfortable. And I think, well, actually, I want your thoughts on this. What are your, how do you feel about using both of these guys together um, in a cash or a GPP lineup, and and just using opposing running backs together in general? In a GPP, I'm totally fine with it because mm -hmm. all we're doing in, especially in like single entry or three entry tournaments, we're capturing game environments. And I know yeah. you've heard us say that word that phrase before game environments but really there are just games that are more advantageous for fantasy scoring than others on a main yeah. slate when you have 13 to pick from you usually have two or three that rise to the top and why is it impossible for those two main producers in that quality game environment to be running backs so i sure. think if you see some correlations that say certain running backs maybe rush heavy running backs take away from other running backs on the other side, maybe that's possible. But in general, I'm absolutely fine with it. If it's two bell cow running backs getting the most high value touches in a game and that game environment is strong, all systems go.
Yeah, I, I should actually use that opportunity to say that if you are looking for those correlations on on a league level, um, you probably are going to see no correlation or even a negative correlation um, between opposing running backs. But uh, we're, we're looking for, like you said, specific environments, specific players, specific player types. And if you want, you can go into the, the 4 for 4 uh, DFS player correlation tool and find out which running backs correlate best with um, different positions such as opposing running backs. And now that we have three weeks of data, again, that is loaded with um, in-season data, now 2021 data. So you can start getting an idea uh, of that. Um, Let's move on to receivers. And then again, I'll start with you. Who's your top guy uh, wide receiver this week? You know, I made this pick early in the week. And then as I was examining it, I got more and more antsy about it. But I'm still going to stick with it. And I'm going back to the well. I got burned by him in cash last week. If you watched our review show, I still think Robert Woods is a higher quality play than people are giving him credit for. Yeah. I mean, let's let's take a second and you know applaud Cooper Cup for this insane start to the fantasy season. I was looking at PFF's expected fantasy point model through these first three weeks, and Cooper Cup leads the league in fantasy points over expected per yeah. game which is insane to think about when he's number one in expected <laughs> yeah, yeah. fantasy points per game. So really what I'm saying about Woods is, and about the Rams' offense in general is that the efficiency is going to maintain, but the opportunity for Cup is unsustainably high. Yeah. And some of that opportunity share that Woods has been held from because of Cup's high ceiling, that's going to rotate back over. And you're actually going to see me talk about this game a little bit later in the show But I just want to highlight Woods, who is still wide receiver 23 overall in expected fantasy points. Again, that's PFF's model. Um, And wide receiver 11 in red zone targets, which just speaks to the high quality of the offense that he's in. That boosts up the 25% red zone target share. It's really nice to see a higher target share in the red zone than overall. That means he's being looked at more often as they get close to the goal line. You're still talking about a player with six-plus targets in back-to-back games and the possibility that Patrick Peterson spends time on Cooper Cup this week trying to shut him down. So I'm liking Robert Woods a little bit more in this high total Vegas matchup. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to call out our, our guy Jordan Vanek who writes our GPP article every week. Uh, he called it the Robert Woods um, experiment, which sounds a little pejorative, Jordan, but uh, I'm, I think I'm going to lean a little bit closer to your side. I, I, I have to backtrack a little bit. The last couple of weeks I kind of mentioned how – Early in the season, um, we can't be for sure, and, and I think these two target shares converge pretty close. Um, I, I I'm I don't feel as strongly about that after three weeks. I think it's pretty clear that that Cooper Cup is the one, and and the number two pass catcher is probably going to be a little more high variance on a weekly level. Um, but that being said, we still are only three games into now an 18 week season, and, and I do think they will still converge a bit. Um, Cooper Cup isn't going to see 38% of the targets on the season. I mean, like the most we ever see in a season is like 31, 32%. I think he might be able to maintain 30%, but if that happens, we can still get Woods in that 24, 25% range. And and, um, so I'm still comfortable. And and TJ, you know, we see, we see in these historical trends that approximately 1.5. So one to two teams per year have two top 12 wide receivers at the end of the season. And usually Four teams mm-hmm. have two top 24 wide receivers. Why not the Rams this year? Yeah. And yeah, and we're seeing it um, 
Like it, maybe it's just a, a, a coincidence that so many teams have multiple good pass catchers right now, but it, it seems like we're f- seeing it more and more where it's just like there's a handful of offenses that have two really good pass catchers, efficient offenses, and the, the top 24 is getting filled more and more with teammates. So I, I agree with you. I, I'm not um, – I'm still not worried about Woods yet. Again, uh, this isn't a redraft pod, but uh, I think he's actually probably a, a pretty good buy low if you do things such as manage teams during the season and make trades, which I don't do anymore. But if you do, I think it's 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 a good idea. Um, my guy, uh, a little bit more expensive, is DJ Moore. 7,300 FanDuel, 6,600 DraftKings at the Cowboys. He's priced like as a fringe wide receiver one, but he's getting clear high-end wide receiver usage. Six in target share, 10th in air yard share, averaging over 10 targets per game um, in a game with a 50-point implied total. Uh, Carolina is an underdog, but uh, for their primary pass catcher, that could be a good thing because it means they're probably going to have to throw if they do get down there, down their best weapon at Christian McCaffrey. So that only means somebody's going to get more targets. Uh, and teams already throw against Dallas at the seventh highest rate in a neutral game script. So even if the game is close, the way to attack the Cowboys is through the air. And obviously this one has pretty nice shootout potential with that 50 point total. So um, DJ Moore, one of the best route runners in the league. Um, Matt Harmon talked about it uh, on our pod uh, that's coming out tomorrow. This is the year or last year is when we saw more put it all together um, in terms of a route runner. Now we're seeing him get that number one usage um, with, with no more Curtis Samuel there and, and, Robbie Anderson doing whatever the hell Robbie Anderson's doing right now, which I actually think Robbie Anderson's a pretty good play this week. Um, but DJ Moore, a, a fantastic play this week. Who else are you liking at, at wide receiver? Yeah, I really like DJ Moore too. Although we're going to find out if Diggs on the Dallas side of the secondary is for real going yeah. against Moore this week. I'm really excited for that. My second I mean, Diggs, Diggs, is- Diggs is a gambler though, right? Like I don't think he's going to shut down more. He's going to, he gets a lot of interceptions, but like I, he's not going to be a, 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 a Jalen, is he? Oh, I don't know yet, but you know, PFF graded him really high last yeah. week, so that's definitely something to look at. Yeah. And you know, he's going to get that little national TV hype boost because of yeah. his big game in likes, uh, on Monday night. He looks like he likes to to gamble. He he's he looks like a cornerback that likes to gamble, which is good. I mean, I like those corners, but like I I think he's gonna. Uh, I think DJ Moore might have a little something for him this week. I think that's fair. All <laughs> right, so headed to my second wide receiver. I even before. We heard the news that George Kittle is truly questioned yeah. for this weekend, which is a, just a bummer. Debo Samuel looks like a slam dunk value mm-hmm. play to me. Uh, I have in my notes that I liked him before the Kittle news, I swear. <laughs> he looked like, a, uh, even just yeah. comparing projections. I can, vouch. I can vouch for you. I, I get yes. access to the notes, yeah. Yes, got it. Uh, just comparing projections to salary-based expectations, yeah. Debo Samuel just jumps off the page here. And look at these underlying metrics here. It's just really impressive. Wide receiver five in targets per route run right now. Wide receiver four in yards per route run. Wide receiver four in air yard share. Wide receiver one in yards after the catch. And now you're talking about a player who's wide receiver 16 in salary on FanDuel. I mean, I mean, it's just such an easy choice here for Debo Samuel, and he's got three drops, so his production could be even higher right now. I see, uh, I, I see some positive regression with that type of opportunity. The fact that he only has one touchdown is actually a little low for that. And now the Seattle defense he's playing against, tied for 30th. That's third most advantageous for offenses 
in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. All systems go for Debo. Yeah, I, I believe the number is is eight. Only eight players with um with at least eight targets in every single game. Debo is one of them. Uh, I believe he's one of four players with at least twenty five percent target share in every game. And I mean, the the really encouraging thing is we saw Ayuk get back to normal usage last week, and then Debo pretty much maintained that role. So that's what we were we were really looking for. And, and we just kind of have a a a trio of players that are getting like this high end usage that are priced just in this fringe wide receiver one or outside this wide receiver one range, uh, DJ Moore, you mentioned Debo Samuel and then Brandon cooks too. He's uh he, he's not super cheap, but 6,900 FanDuel 6,400 uh, DraftKings Isn't where he should be priced at least based on, on uh, the way he's being used. He's one of five players with at least 30% of his team's targets this year and at least 40% uh, of his team's air yards. And what I really like about him is, is this environment opposite um, this very popular Buffalo passing game. So I do think Brandon Cooks will be a, a somewhat popular bring back. Um, but at the same time, he is priced around a lot of the players that we just talked about. And depending on, on what site you're on, priced around some other popular value plays, um, so I, I do think people might be a little bit worried about the Buffalo defense because they are really good, but this is just a spot where Brandon Cooks is getting so much of the work that I'm not necessarily too worried about the matchup. They're just throwing it to him a ton, and, and they're going to have to throw a lot in this game. If they do somehow keep it close, which I just don't imagine how the Texans do that, teams are throwing at the sixth highest rate uh, in neutral game script against the Bills. But I don't think this game script is, is going to stay neutral very long. Um, the one note that I, I guess isn't on the show sheet, but I think maybe very important is that before we recorded this, we got official news, AJ Brown, Julio Jones, both out. So, um, our guy in WI, uh, Nick Westbrook, Akine looks like the value to open up all of the salary this week. We won't get into him, but, uh, if, if you're listening to this, um, Saturday or Sunday, get our guy in WI in there. Uh, who are you looking at at your tight end spot this week? With George oh, Kittle questionable, so it really thins it out. Yeah, it really does, especially, you know, no Waller on the main slate here. Yeah. We do have Hawkinson. We do have Kelsey here. But, you know, we got to think about value in, in a couple different ways, especially when we when it comes to tight ends. You know, in cash games, when we're not playing the premium tier at tight ends, what we're really just hoping for is to get close to 3x value. And especially when we're sure. talking about the, the lower tier, that can mean, like, nine, 10 points, maybe three catches mm -hmm. and a touchdown here. Mm -hmm. And so we're just looking for game environments where ceiling can help us get there. But for tournaments, we have to worry about or, or just consider the possibility that many tight ends really don't have any path, any realistic path to 20 plus points. Yeah. And so once we get below that premium tier into that mid-tier salary, it's really important to identify tight ends that have a company, a floor that helps you in cash, but truly for the tournaments, that ceiling, they could get to 25 or so points. So I'm going to mm -hmm. go with Tyler Higby here. Again, we're attacking this high Vegas total game. And we talk all the time about the correlation between home favorites and running backs. But there's almost an equally high correlation between home favorites and tight ends. And so in the situation where after that top tier, it gets really, really murky. I'm just going to lean on, again, that game environment. Higby has been a little disappointing in terms of opportunity share. He's tight in 18 in target share. 
Uh, it goes up a little higher in the red zone. So again, we, we're liking seeing Stafford lean on him a little bit more as they get closer to the goal line. But he's outside the top 30 in air yards share. Uh, what's really saving him and what I like about him is those red zone targets. He's actually top five in the league in red zone targets. And he's been efficient when he has received opportunity. He's tight end seven in yards per target. So I'm going to stick with that game environment. I really think Tyler Higbee is one of the true 25-point potential options. And at 4,600 on DK, you could definitely do worse. Yeah, if you if you really want to get uh, get frisky in tournaments, you mentioned Woods, you mentioned Higby. Um, if you stack this game with no Cooper Cup, at the very least, you're going to be unique. I, I think a lot of people use one or the other of Higby Woods, uh, maybe if they are game stacking or, or team stacking with Cup to try to offset his salary or his ownership. Um, I haven't decided if I advise that yet. Actually, like Arizona with the with the Rams bring back, but that's a different podcast and article. But uh, it's it's a thought. I mean, you're mentioning two guys as top values, so if you like them as top values, they should probably be in your tournament player pool as well. Um, no, but your point about tight ends and, and how we need to be valuing them. I mean, the position is just not good, right? We're we're kind of getting used to this at this point. Anytime two of the best tight ends are, are going to be off the main slate, assuming Kittle doesn't play. Um, it just gets hairy really fast. I mean, look, we saw um, Mike Isecki, no usage first two games, double-digit targets one game. Nobody's going to say like, oh, no, it's sample size. It's like, no, let's play him because there's no other tight ends. It, it feels like chasing points at tight ends. Um, Dawson Knox scores a touchdown, and now the Bills have a good game. Now Dawson Knox is going to be like a chalky-ish tight end, I guess, if you're like 7 8% ownership is going to be like top five ownership. Um, so it feels like chasing points, and we – advocate against chasing points. I mean, but at tight end, we kind of has to have to chase points, right? There's, like you said, there's just so few guys that have opportunity that when we see one get one, it's like, all right, we're going to try to use that. But one guy that um, doesn't have to chase opportunity that's getting all the opportunity is Noah Fan. 5,700 FanDuel, 4,300 DraftKings. We're seeing that salary creep up a little bit, but it's well-deserved. He's fifth in the league in target share among tight ends. Um, Denver was already down. Jerry Judy, they're down KJ Hamlin. Now, I think Losing KJ Hamler is is bigger than some people are going to get credit for. I think Hamler is a pretty good ancillary piece of that offense, but I, I think they're going to be fine. The targets are just going to concentrate more on on Corlin Sutton and Noah Fan. Although I, I do like Tim Patrick, but he's not going to be a, a high volume guy. He's going to be a, a, a deep target, which is fine. Um, but I, I just think Fan and Sutton get all the targets. This game is one that I like to flip the script on the expected game environment. Both defenses are good. Denver's defense has been really good, and the the projected point total is relatively low. I think it's at 45 or something like that. Um, Both of these defenses face top seven passing rates in neutral game script. So in teams, even though Denver didn't even have a neutral game script last week, they were up by like 20 the whole game. Um, But when they have been in neutral game script, when they're not up by two touchdowns in the second half, um, teams are throwing against them. So I think both of these offenses throw quite a bit against each other. And we're getting Noah Fant tied to one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league through the first three weeks, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, top three in adjusted yards per attempt through three weeks. Um, he's uh, Noah Fant's price is the tight end nine on Fandle, tight end 10 on DK. So like I mentioned, that seller's creeping up a little bit, but still affordable enough, not, not reflective of that top five usage that he's been getting. Um, move on to the last position for the values defenses. You got quite a bit to say about your team here. Who do you like? 
Yeah, and I'm going to start with a little bit of a narrative take. You know I'm usually very stats-focused over here, but the Saints in that first full-capacity game in New Orleans since 2019. Oh, yeah, I think about that. I think it's going to be pretty raucous, pretty crazy, and the Giants are undermanned and underwhelming so far offensively. Yeah, we did see them put up a little bit against the Washington football team, but looks like the Washington football team, especially in that first run of schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, they are not the same defense that we thought they were going into the season. It looks like Slayton and Shepard are going to be out for the Giants' offense. And, you know, while Jones' rushing ability gives him a little bit of floor and ceiling to play him in fantasy, we really know what he's going to be on the other side of the ball if you're trying to grade mm-hmm. a defense. You're going to get 7 to 8 yards per attempt, a 60 to 70% completion rating. You know, he's QB 28 in true passer rating, which takes out throwaways. And and so I'm just not scared of the Giants' offense at all in this contest. So it is going to be a little difficult. I know they are higher tier in salary, but the Saints are a rock-solid defense, number 8 in PFS defensive grade, number 3 in football outsiders defensive DVOA. And it should be mentioned that their secondary is getting healthier again. Marshawn Lattimore came back in a big way in week three. He was ranked QB, excuse me, QB, cornerback one by PFF grading this week. Yeah, for those that, that don't remember that that are, aren't sure what Matt's talking about, remember the uh, the hurricane, unfortunately, in New Orleans to start the season, put the Saints um, on a neutral site. So their first real home game of the year. And then, like you said, since 2019 with the crowd, I, that's um, that's actually a really good point. And, and I th- uh, you briefly mentioned Camara. I think uh, a Camara-Saints mini correlation is probably a really good tournament play this week. Um, I already touched on on my play briefly when I was talking about my running backs, but you can, uh, you can pair up this defense with the Andre Swift, the Lions, 4,100 on FanDuel. So actually priced appropriately there, I think, um, which is surprising, down at 2,200 on DraftKings, where I do think they're undervalued, um, which is explains why they're our top defense value on DraftKings at 4 for 4 They are a small road underdog, but as I mentioned, Chicago, worst adjusted sack rate in the league. Detroit, top four adjusted sack rate in the league. Um, and even as underdogs, Chicago's implied point total uh, is just um, – even even though the Lions are the underdogs, Chicago's implied point total is just 22.25. And if you go back to the DFS playbook that I worked on this year, uh, we know that implied point total is very important. The lower it is, the better your defense is typically going to do. Um I don't really care who's at quarterback. I think the Lions can just get after Dalton Norfield. So um, I like them a lot. If you want to take all of these plays and you're a new FanDuel fantasy player, then your day is about to get 20% better. Start playing fantasy football on FanDuel and you will get a 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500 by going to FanDuel.com slash DFS MVP. That's a big time bonus. And all you need to do to claim it is make your first deposit. We've talked about it almost every week on this uh, podcast. They have some of the best contest structures, especially their single entry GPPs. You could go to my Twitter or to our discord to check out a breakdown of those tournament structures compared to other sites. And if you don't like those tournaments, there's lots of other formats to play including the main slate games that we always talk about. They have single game slates, best ball slates, snake drafts. You can even play private contests with your friends. They have the Sunday million, which I cover every week uh, strategy in the DFS playbook, but also breakdown strategy in the Sunday million review, which you can find on four for four. 
We've talked about our favorite players like DeAndre Swift, like the Lions defense and their FanDuel salaries this week. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash DFS MVP to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash DFS MVP. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. My favorite part of this podcast every week is our theory segment, Matt. And you wrote an article this week that covers um, a new feature at 444. And I think it has, uh, it translates very well to theory because we talk a lot about regression and it has very direct uh, impact on how we make our decisions in DFS. That is our wide receiver breakout model. Um, John Paulson and our resident data scientist, Kevin Zatlugel, have been working on this thing um, shoot for almost two years, really. Um, there's a, there's a couple other air yards type of models out there. Josh Hermsmeyer actually wrote for four for four and helped us out with some of our initial air yards work here. And this is just our interpretation of using air yards, using wide receiver usage to, um, pinpoint what we're calling breakout players for DFS purposes. We'll call them DFS targets, but before we get into it, let's get, since this is our theory segment, let's get into the theory of finding um, breakout wide receivers on a weekly level and just talk us through before we get into the specifics, what is this model? What is modeling in general um, when it comes to this fantasy stuff? Yeah, I feel like you hear it more and more often that someone created a model and <laughs> what exactly that means can certainly on sports Twitter, it can mean a lot of different things. Yeah. But when we're talking about this particular model, this is using a large data set of mm. historical data to try and predict the future at its simplest terms. That's all we're doing here. And there's an old saying about models that all models are wrong. Some are useful meaning that you can never contextualize a model at all the features, at all the things that you want that a human knows how to do. So we're always, always contextualizing the information from this model. But what it can help us do is use history as a guide to show us where in the future there's an, in, or excuse me, I should say in the present, there's an incongruency between a player's usage or their opportunity mm -hmm and their production. Yeah. And when we identify those players, we often find situations where that naturally corrects itself in the upcoming weeks. So hence the receiver breakout model. And I do want to mention here that my role in this was towards the very end. You mentioned Kevin and John, they've mm -hmm. put so much yeah. time into this. And just like you would see in the corporate world where a data scientist puts a model into training before it is put, as they say, into production, as it was put for, for, for this week. We studied this model. We created it at the end of 2019, which meant yeah. we spent a whole season studying this, making sure that it was well calibrated. And now it's handed off to me, essentially the data analyst. And so my job in this process is to package those models results mm -hmm. into a consumable and understandable presentation for the target audience, which is yeah. in our case, the readers and the listeners here. So that's why you see charts and graphs that can help you usually, sometimes they get really complicated and they can actually hinder your understanding of a model. And you know, you'll see a graph that I made at the top of this model this week. And please, if you have some feedback about how it could be more helpful or how you're not understanding it, please hit us up. Uh, I'm at Draftaholic or at 4 for 4 football. And 
I don't want to spend too much time here, TJ. But I know that there's probably a small part of the audience that's interested in the the really data science heavy aspect of this. Yeah, we, we have of, a we have a smart we have a smart um, uh, crowd. I, I think they I think they won't mind it too much. Okay, so I, I actually don't have a lot of the specifics related to things like feature engineering, like was there a clustering al algorithm or any sort of unsupervised machine learning done beforehand, or the algorithm specifically used. But you do, we do know that it was validated against a year of real data. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we have used a specific error metric, so we don't have anything like an adjusted R squared or an out of sample R squared, which is something that, an error metric that you typically see used. But what we do have is that of the underperforming cohort, the people that are underperforming expectation, again, that's the group we're finding breakouts from. On average, they score 90% of their expected fantasy points the following week. That, that's, a huge, a, that's a huge point right there. That's a really solid amount. And, and you know, obviously there's gonna be some variance there. Some people score way over their expected amount. Some people score way under their expected amount. And it ultimately washes out in the fact that they all almost collectively get mm -hmm. to that expected value. That's a really strong sign of a well-calibrated model. So it's a long-winded way of saying that we've got a lot of data going into a really strong breakout model. And don't forget about the, the tight ends. They have a specific algorithm for the tight ends as well. Yeah, um, I I, I, th I think it's going to be really important. This is something that we're, we're going to feature um, very heavily uh, in probably in, in this podcast um although we're, we're kind of more focused on like just the overall values here um but in our articles a lot and i, I think anybody that's already a four for four subscriber should definitely make it a point to be seeking this out even though we'll be linking to it a ton we do break up the website by redraft dfs um or call it seasonal on the site seasonal dfs and betting so i think a lot of people that that might be playing a lot of DFS or folks on betting a lot might kind of overlook some of the stuff that might be under the seasonal tab. Um, this is that that's where this will live. Um, but it is very important. And, and I, again, I'm, I'm going to continue to encourage everybody to um, be, be looking at this model, but uh, you kind of talked about just like what it uses from a, um, statistical and, and modeling standpoint, as far as just like fantasy, uh, and 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 football metrics stats data. Um, what are we looking at here? Like either league level, league level, or player level uh, data. Yeah, so it definitely uses both. That's okay. really important here because we want to make sure that we have an understanding of both on a league level what is supposed to happen here. All things being equal, but then on a player level, do we have a history of this player yeah. performing under or below expectation? Because what we found is that especially the past 10 weeks of player efficiency is highly indicative of how well they use that recent opportunity. Yeah. And so it's really helped us get a stronger model here. And so I'll just dig into it here. The model heavily weights two distinct time periods and tries to combine that together. I already mentioned the past 10 weeks, it uses the opportunity and creates an expected fantasy points model during that time, and efficiency, which is a roll-up of multiple efficiency metrics that use both air yards data, as you mentioned, TJ, and routes run data from our data provider as well. And so that efficiency metrics, there, there is a little proprietary blend in there, but you can mm -hmm. imagine what they are like, similar to yards per route run sure. or targets per route run. 
So that's that's how we're creating an opportunity and efficiency metrics here. But then we also look at the past three weeks. We found that to be the most important period of time. And that's why we're debuting it in week four, because now we have three weeks of in-season data to really get a feel for the possible changes that have occurred from that 10-week window to the three-week window. And what we found is that even if we just have those three weeks, like for rookies or players that were injured, we can make a worthwhile prediction, an expected fantasy points prediction for those players. So the article just goes through the players who are currently underperforming their prediction and highlights players that we think have a chance of breaking out this specific week. Yeah, early early in the season, that just kind of reminded me that when you were laying out um, uh, how we're going to be using it and the, the time frame we're going to be using it. Early in the season during our, our preseason episodes when we were talking about prepping for the season, one of the things we talked about was how much data we consume and, and – um, how we have to be careful not to double count things and, and, and get too lost in numbers. Uh, kind of like a, a not point per dollar, but like our proprietary value metric for DFS takes all of the information that is captured in projections, compares it to not to just to salary, but to position scarcity um, to other players at other positions. It gives us a really quick value metric. This kind of takes away all of our worries with pass catchers for having to double count, right? Like we're getting all of this information that we need, finding out how much they should be scoring, finding out who's good at meeting that expectation, and then finding out who's good and who hasn't been and is going to continue to do it. So you don't have to worry about double counting with this. This is doing all of the counting for you. So it's it's um it's a just the, like you said. I mean, I can't even express. I've been watching John and 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 Kevin work on this, and luckily I haven't. This is one of the projects I haven't had my hands on. Um, but as you mentioned, they've been been back testing it, testing it, make sure it works well. Um, that's why it wasn't released last year because we wanted to make sure it was good. So all of that is just to tell you that every week we're going to give you a chart with these names and say these players are supposed to play good. So how are we going to use that chart? Yeah, so that's the real that's the real thing we yeah. want to know, right? Yeah. How do yeah. we use this? Give us the answers. Tool? Right. That's yeah. I wish I could. I wish I could. So as I mentioned before, the article is going to be highlighting players who over the last three weeks are averaging less than their expected fantasy points per game. Over and remember, it uses a last three weeks expected average and then just compares three weeks. So sometimes and, you and will we should, see players, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off, yeah. but we should clarify no. that, that that expected fantasy points is our proprietary metric. So you might see expected fantasy points thrown about uh, other sites have theirs. That's our calculated expected fantasy points. That's correct. And you know, when you're creating an out a model like this, that is still by far the best metric to use to optimize Mm -hmm. and to compare the differential so actually the column that you see that is honestly the most important is that difference column you're going to see some players who are a little bit closer to their expectation than others and one thing that you cannot do is expect that players who have a further distance from their expected value to have a larger what they call rubber band effect there's no evidence that that occurs And another thing you need to pay attention to is multiple pass catchers on the same team showing up on this list, because that often means the quarterback is the one responsible, or at least partially responsible, for those players showing up on that list. Because you'll often see, I'll I'll tell you, the Jets right now are on that list. The whole team (laughs) will end up below expectation, because Mm -hmm. compared to a league average level, which 
the model is optimizing for, they are. They're performing under yeah. expectation. The value of opportunity on the Jets is less than the average value of mm -hmm. the same opportunity on another team. That makes sense. Now, speaking of making this all make sense, the most important part is to contextualize the model's results with John Paulson's award-winning four-for-four projections. Because, again, the human touch is something that we are valuing very highly here. It's not something that we want to just take away here. The robots are not coming for our jobs in this case. <laughs> these, <Not yet. laughs> these projections that John creates are generated in a much more hands-on way. And truly, the blend of this model and those projections is really the best we can do right now in project predicting and projecting future performances. So the last thing I'll say is the model cannot account for all changes in personnel, right. schemes, situation, and it can't tell the difference between what is bad luck and what is poor play. That's for yeah. you to decide. And, and, and that's for us to decide, right? That's why you're writing the article. You're going to go in and, like you said, you're going to contextualize some of these numbers and we're not just going to blindly look at the the biggest difference or, or the biggest expected fantasy points where we're going to um, hopefully be able to guide you in the right direction. So I, I think the the savvy listener, anybody that's, that's played quite a bit, um, probably has a good idea where we're going with this. But if you're just jumping in, if you're fast forwarding, if you're washing dishes and not paying attention, um, how can you apply all of these things to DFS? So now the last thing is that we're just finding low roster players again whose production is incongruent with their opportunity and that's yeah. really all we're finding yep. and then we add in a little bit of past efficiency again then past 10 weeks efficiency and we get a little bit closer to finding who really should be a breakout player and one last step and i'll actually tell you when we get to this list uh if you filter out players who scored over their expected value just last week you often find a list of just maybe eight or nine players who really fit yeah. all the descriptions here. Yeah, I, I will. Before I, I don't want to forget this. Um, before we, we move on to the next part, um, this article is free on four for four this week, and, and I believe that the it will stay free. the The week four article will stay free forever. Um, but obviously, for this week's application, go in there, check it out, use it. Um, Week five and moving forward will be subscriber only. But if you're listening to this late, you can still go to the week four article and just get an idea of what it looks like and what we're offering um, in this article. But uh, you mentioned that the application of DFS and the overwhelming number of the time that we're going to use this is going to find low-owned, usually tournament players. Um, I do think there are some cash game applications. One Oftentimes, we're just going to see some of the higher end um, receivers on this because they're the highest used wide receivers, right? They're the highest used tight ends. So when they have a couple of bad weeks, they're the ones that are going to be popping on this. So as long as their expected points are staying high, there's going to be spots where people are like, can I use this $7,000 receiver in cash? He hasn't scored 10 points um, in three weeks. I, I think we can use this and say he's still a viable cash play. And then on the other end of the spectrum – especially on DraftKings where we're doing a lot of stars and scrubs builds. Um, if you're going to just punt a, a pass catcher, a tight end or receiver, why not have one of these guys that are in the model? So um, again, usually going to be using this for tournaments, but I do think there are some cash game applications. We don't usually give more picks on this podcast, but be, since we're talking about this, since we're making it free this week, um, 
you can you don't have to dive into each player. You can give a quick list. Um, if there's anybody you want to make some points on, you can. Um, who are people that are popping in this model uh, going in now that we have the three weeks of data that we're the rolling count is going to be three weeks for the rest of the season. So who's on that initial list? Yeah, yeah. We'll give out the initial list for free as a little teaser for what you'll get every week. Yeah. But these are all the players who the model predicts are are underperforming their current opportunity levels and that their expected fantasy points for wide receivers is 10 points, half PPR or higher, or for tight ends, eight and a half points or higher. So I'm just, and all these players had a week three that they did not outperform their current expected fantasy points because those players that did outperform, they may not have gone way over in certain cases, but their ownership level is going to be much different because yeah. they showed already that point. they can reach expectations. So here's a the AKA Manny Sanders. AKA Manny Sanders. He's still on the list, but yeah. he had a two touchdown game last week. Yeah. He's not yeah. exactly uh, you know, is someone we don't know about anymore. Yeah. But here's another bill to start it off. Stefan Diggs is still underperforming expectation. That ceiling game is coming for him. I'm just going to yeah. rattle off the list real quick here. Michael sure. Pittman, Devontae Parker, Devonta Smith, Cortland Sutton, Sammy Watkins, Calvin Ridley. Please show us something, Falcons offense. Kenny Galladay, and then two tight ends for you, Kyle Pitts and Jared Cook. Uh, I realize okay. Cook is not on the main slate here, but. Uh, a couple that jump off the page to me, and if you have any final thoughts, yeah, Kirk's not on the main slate this week. Um, a couple that jump out to me, uh, Michael Pittman, um, I, I think he's uh, just in a really good spot to um, be performing very well. You mentioned Diggs. I don't think people are going to be surprised that that uh, people like his scenario this week. Um, Devontae Smith, I think he's going to be a really interesting spot against the Chiefs because I already mentioned Jalen Hurts. Um, and then Kyle Pitts, man, I mean – I think he's just going to naturally get so – if he doesn't have another big game this week, I think he's going to continue to get so much hate. And it's our fault. As a, yes, as, a, as a community, we hyped him up so much. His usage is fine, but he's doing what a rookie tight end is supposed to do. Um, no, so he, I, I mean, I'm sorry, TJ. He's not doing what a rookie tight end is supposed to do. He's doing more than a rookie tight end yes, has ever yes, done. Yes, And it's still you. not yeah. just good enough for fantasy. I yeah. mean – yeah, just comparing him to the rest of the rookie tight end cohort. Yeah. historically he's doing awesome. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean that's just going to mean we're going to win a lot of money with him in DFS all year, right? Um, that's right. Any, any any thoughts that you want to elaborate on any, any of these guys, or or you just want to send people over to the article and make them read it? Yeah, I'm going to make you all read it this week. <laughs> right. It's free on four for four. Cool. Um, and again, the biggest thing is with the with the table and with the charts that I'm putting in there, if you have clarification questions, if you feel like you have an idea for what would make it easier to understand, easier to read, we want you guys to understand what's going on here and make the best decisions for yourself. So please hit me up. Let me know. Yeah, definitely hit us up, um, especially Saturday and Sunday morning. We're, we're um, pretty active in our, our Discord. Um, me, you, um, Jordan, and Jeff are always in there. Pat James is fantastic about being in there on Sunday mornings. And if you if you appreciate us uh, giving the bag away a little bit this week, uh, please give us a, a like and uh, subscribe uh, here on YouTube. Uh, also, if you're a listener, um, you can uh, – Please like us on the um, – rate and review us on iTunes if you're listening on audio. And, again, if you're looking for another way to get our DFS subscription, you can have head over to 444.com slash 
prize picks. You can get access for as little as $20. You must be a new prize picks user. Uh, other DFS shows that I mentioned at top, Cash Game Review, 11 a.m. Pacific time with myself and Matt um, on YouTube, Yahoo DFS with Matt Harmon every week on Saturdays on the 4 for 4, and the Yahoo Feeds DFS Last Look with Jordan Vanek Sunday mornings at a.m. Pacific time, subscriber-only Discord. Uh, if you want more action from us, check us out on the Twitters. 4 for 4 is at 4 for 4 football. Matt is at Draftaholic. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We will talk to you guys on Monday.